0: hey the cocktail's good thank you yeah cool well <laughs> let's talk about that oh, yeah, in a we'll say that in a minute okay all right <laughs> well then i guess we should sh- we should start th- so many so many so many damn books Okay, welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Karen Thompson Walker in the Damn Library with us this evening. Karen, welcome. Hi. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: You are the best-selling author of The Age of Miracles, as well as this new novel, The Dreamers, just out um, on Random House. Yes? Yes. And we are so excited that you could join us. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming.
1: I'm excited, too.
0: Should we uh, talk about... Now can I tell you that I like the cocktail? Yeah, Yeah, now you can tell me. It's a good cocktail. Thanks, man. It's delicious. Okay, I get to talk about this drink. I'm really proud of it. Um, It's called No Sleep Till, and um, it's inspired by the dreamers, which is, of course, about a sleeping sickness that takes over a a town. And um, so this is a cocktail that's supposed to keep you awake. So I started with Chinar, which is a uh, liqueur I really like that's partially derived from artichoke, which is a natural stimulant. And then... um, Really? To both of
2: those parts of that sentence?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, And then, uh, or a Rondo spritz, I guess, is the name of this Campari sort of substitute, which is nice. It's um, not quite as bitter as Campari usually is, but it still has that sort of bright sweetness. And then I made a coffee syrup at home because, of course, coffee.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so it's almost in equal parts and you stir it and pour it over a um, tangerine peel. And uh yeah, the tangerine oils play nicely with it as well. I'm really pleased with it. Glad you guys like it. Thank you. Starting the year off right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah on an on an on a up note, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. All, <laughs> yes.
0: Do we want to talk about what we bought? <laughs> Do
1: you
0: want to talk about a book that you got or bought recently? Um
1: Sure. Uh the one that I that I'm thinking of at the moment. I uh, I didn't buy, but my husband bought it for me. But on very solid, uh, you know, he knew he knows what I would like, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is um, a book called The Red Parts by Maggie Nelson. Oh, cool. You read that? Yeah. Uh, um, no, I haven't I read have. it yet. But um, I but I love her. Chill. I love her uh, memoir, *The Argonauts*, Mm -hmm. and so I mean, I was upset. I'm obsessed with that book. Actually, love is not even a strong enough word. (laughs) I just think it's so great. I mean, the writing and the ideas, um, and there's just such a nice mix of like brain and heart, Mm. yeah, and and poetry. I mean, I mean, like a the feeling of poetry, yeah, in that book. So anyway, uh, so my husband bought me *The Red Parts*, which is um, a memoir about. uh, I mean, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's about like she had a her aunt was. Uh, murdered, mm-hmm. and before she was born, and so this is like about the trial um, and the experience of going through. Like, because the 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 person who I who I think it I think it's the killer, but I haven't read the whole thing. Who they think <laughs> is the killer um, is now. I mean, at the time of the book, is on trial. So that's what it's about the experience of attending that, and she wow. brings again so far the same kind of just intelligence in and poetic sense and
0: it's well, great well cool. i will always love her for bluets as well oh i haven't yeah. read that
1: that's that's my next one i think to oh, read. that's gonna blow you away okay great <laughs> christopher
0: blew me out of the water um <laughs> so i was given this incredible um for christmas this incredible cocktail book it's um roughly one hundred and sixty thousand pounds and um, it's called the Aviary Cocktail Book. Hmm. The Aviary is a crazy um, cocktail bar in New York. I haven't been there yet. It's one of these places with like $35 cocktails. Uh-huh. And um, it's a it's a molecular gastronomy um, bar book. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. So it's all the most insane things. That, and a lot of things that look really like stuff that um, would be served in that. Tom Haverford bar in Parks and Rec do you Uh know what I'm talking about yeah um it's just like this like some stuff that you're making like literally like whiskey vapor and uh all sorts of crazy things and it's some of the most gorgeous photography it's it's all really close up and crazy and all like how to spherize things $35
2: Thirty five dollar cocktails will buy you a really nice book. Yeah, they
0: yeah. will. It's a gorgeous book. Um I've enjoyed just flipping through it and now I'm like, okay, well now I need to make this old fashioned that they have in here. All I need is a two thousand dollar machine from the local like, <laughs> medical <laughs> <laughs> immersion machines. So, what about you, Drew? Um, you anything?
2: Yeah, I another January release. Uh, the Water Cure by mm. Sophie McIntosh. Uh huh. Um I've I've been really excited about it and I know very little about it. Um, Something about it screams like a riff on the Tempest to Mm. me. I know it's three daughters, their father has like kept them on an island away from society and told them that men are terrible Mm. and then men show up. That's all that I know and I'm like, well, I'm sure this is gonna be explosive. Yeah. Uh, But I'm I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, I'm curious about that one too.
0: Yeah, that sounds like we have good reading in front of us. Yeah.
1: (laughs)
2: Um good reading that is immediately
0: behind us. Yes. The Dreamers. Yes, your novel and it's um maybe you can tell our listeners uh what the book's about.
1: Um sure. Yeah, it's so it's the story of a strange contagious sickness that spreads through a small a sleeping sickness that spreads through a small college town. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, the, the, the main symptom is just this sort of seemingly endless sleep. Um, and then along the way, it becomes clear that some unusual dreams are taking place in the minds of the sleepers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a great little capsule. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that is this this book has an incredible um, balance between like dream life and waking life. And I was curious, um, how you struck that balance because I like the minute you start talking about dreams, it's a tough order um to keep it all like not just like and it was you but not you um
1: yeah, that's interesting, you know, I, it's funny, I didn't come into it with like a special interest in dreams um i guess i but I was very interested in sleep, like I just think sleep is such a stra- it's such a strange um and yet deeply obviously familiar part of human experience, like it's just so weird that we spend um you know 6 or 8 hours a day unconscious every day and <laughs> and like we don't really understand it just in our daily life like sort of what happens in our brains but also even scientists haven't figured out everything about sleep or why why we do it um so i so anyway i started with like i was always interested in that part of it and then that inevitably led to you know the more i wrote about sleep the it started to seem like well probably there should be some dreams and I became the more I learned about dreams like and the more thinking I did, I became more and more interested. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but just that like I was kind of aware of trying to make sure that the dreams I did. I was worried at first about writing about dreams because I didn't want them to be, to be feel, you know, dreams can be kind of random and they can, there's a risk of, of randomness mm-hmm. or kind of like, f- I don't know, fluffiness. Mm-hmm. And So part of the challenge of writing the book I think was trying to figure out a way to include what's interesting about dreams, but hopefully leave out what's,
0: you know, not <laughs> as interesting about dreams. Or, or they're not random enough, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. That was my problem with Inception. Was that was like? It oh. was like that like, was a very linear dream that he had. Yeah, yeah. like too orderly. That's yeah. interesting.
1: <laughs>
2: One thing I really loved about the novel and and novels like this is that there are multiple perspectives on mm-hmm. the story, and I'm wondering how those how those were the people who came to tell the story for you
0: yeah
1: um yeah, that's a good question you know i there was a bit of trial and error i mean I was trying trying to figure out um kind of who interested me. Mm-hmm like who, and I wanted a variety. You know, I, I I'd set it in this college town from the beginning. And so, I, so it began on the college dorm floor. So I knew there was going to be, um, some college students would be some of the main characters. Um, and so I guess the character of may came to me pretty early. just, um, you know, the idea of someone who's like a little bit, I, I, I always have an interest in writing about people who, whether by nature or just the situation are like slightly apart in whatever situation they found themselves in mm-hmm. and sort of, Naturally, observers because of that. Um, and so, May is sort of someone who hasn't quite fit in on this dorm floor. And she's in that period of trying to figure out, you know, how she's going to adjust to college and feeling kind of isolated when this. Um, Sickness begins to spread.
0: I don't know if this is a spoiler. It's very early on, but it hits her roommate like immediately. Yeah. So it's like she's already ostracized. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then and then like this sickness seems to like come from her room. So. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 It almost becomes literal in that moment. Her mm-hmm. her isolation. Um. So yeah, her. I felt like she's sort of a natural. Natural. And then, it was just as I started to think like, well, if this once the sickness spreads out beyond the dorm floor into the community, like who are the natural people, um, who it would spread through, and mm-hmm. so you know that's why I ended up with a professor and you know in each one uh, as I started their perspective it it wasn't always clear immediately sort of what their character and personality would be like you know some of that the work of writing it was how I got to know them but it was important to to me to make sure that you know it was uh even though it has this big premise that it's that it's also really a character novel so yeah it was important to kind of nail
0: down the the people. Did you um did you find it easy to write about college like did you have a good college experience to like pull from i don't know the, those sequences came seemed really real to me and they especially oh, yeah. the, um
2: and just like be getting sick in a dorm and yeah.
0: like everybody in the dorm gets sick yeah that sequence of the dorm room party yeah like, <laughs> that was um did you ever see that um Disease out uh, movie outbreak like the classic oh, one from the yeah it's where you follow the germs in the movie theater like which is also so mean to do to people in yeah. a movie theater <laughs> like this was the uh, like that was the outbreak scene for me it was like I was just following this germ as it's like traveling down like used shot glasses yeah
1: and- you know I mean it's possible I might have <laughs> attended one or two similar <laughs> <particular laughs> parties <laughs> um, yeah I don't know I I never thought about writing about College until I started this book. I was I was living in in a college town in Iowa City when I started this book because mm. my husband went to the Iowa Writers' Workshop, like re you know in the la- like five years ago or six years ago, like um anyway, so we were there and I it, I suddenly became interested again in the college experience. Like I was like just in the it's just so weird in so many ways and especially especially I feel like the, the freshman dorm floor like it's just such a st- specific time in life mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. I, yeah so anyway I got. I was like, that was sort of on my mind, like watching these college students walk around and just, I I found I was imagining their lives a little bit and remembering my own college time at the same time that I'd come up with this idea of writing about a sleeping sickness. So it was those two things together that I was Mm -hmm. like, something interesting. And also, yeah, a dorm floor is, it sort of is like a weird quarantine, even a regular dorm floor. Mm -hmm. Like like you said, the way that sickness just spreads through the dorm Mm -hmm. and everyone knows everyone's business. And uh, anyway, I- it, it, it was kind of fun once I started writing about it, but I didn't, I, I'm it surprised, like it would have surprised me to know that I was going to write something about college.
0: Were there other like viral outbreak stories or post-apocalyptic or anything stories that were you were reading while you were writing this? Was that helpful?
1: Um, I mean, I did some research for sure more well well one one okay the main one is blindness by jose saramago mm-hmm. which is a ama- that that's just sort of a major influence on all of my work i mean i do like i my writing i think is probably pretty different in lots of ways from his but something about that book just the way um he's able to treat this kind of outlandish premise in this in a such a convincing and intense way um just has and and also making such serious use of a fantastical premise—it's just re- has been really um, influential to me from like before I wrote *The Age of Miracles* even too. So anyway, that that is always in my mind, and that's obviously a, conta- a, a contagion of blindness. and then, mine's a contagion of sleep. So there's a for sure a sort of in the um, parallel there. But then, other than that, I did research into nonfiction. You know, nonfiction books like um, I, I read *The Hot Zone*, which. Mm. <laughs> was um it was, yeah it's very creepy and also very salacious i feel like as i like reading it this time like there was something it was useful <laughs> it was useful but it felt a little like i don't know like <laughs> like a thriller but re but then i'm like well, these are real people going yeah. through these things but it but it's it was i mean it was it was useful for sure and and fascinating um yes yeah, so i read that i read a book called spillover which is about um It's about all these. It's it's about how a lot of the worst pandemics in human history have. um, They call it spilled over from animals, Mm. Uh like through some moment of um, mutation and mixing of like like a human eats meat that has blood, human like animal blood in it that has Mm. that anyway, um, and then it and then it turns into something that can um, infect humans all of a sudden, Um, and so that's what happened with HIV and. Um, I think Ebola also. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I did some some frightening reading like that. <laughs>
0: are you are you hypochondriac at all? Like I feel like I would. I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time reading <coughs> disease books. Uh, I read this particularly fast because I was like, I don't want to be worried about going to sleep.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I am a little a little bit of a hypochondriac, but as the writer, well, one I, that might be the reason why I probably would never write about like a more ordinary like a real disease, like, Mm -hmm. like I, I, I enjoy the remove. I want you to feel while you're reading the book, like it's real. I want Mm -hmm. it to feel convincing and real, but, but I think I enjoy a slight remove so that you don't feel like you're just reading like a horrible news story. Right. (laughs) Like instead you're a little in this fantastical world that, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, this sleeping sickness doesn't actually, we don't actually need to worry about catching the sleeping sickness. Um, So yeah, I think I probably enjoy that remove a little, but I am kind of fascinated in general by Mm. those kinds of stories.
0: (laughs) Definitely.
2: This is going to veer into spoiler territory for anybody who hasn't finished the book. So if you haven't, jump ahead a little bit. I was thinking a lot about sort of the other recent pandemic novels that have come out, whether it's Station Eleven or Lara Vandenberg's Find Me or Joe Hill's The Fireman, where it's like, lots of people dying Uh uh-huh i guess what caused you to to decide to let it sort of burn out instead of you know destroy the world
1: yeah yeah um let's see i mean uh, i guess i guess two reasons one is there's a certain feeling of realism i think to that like Mm -hmm. um you know, like there's a, there's like a nightmare scenario with Ebola that it like gets across the whole world. And that's what would be so scary. But usually as scary and terrible as it is, like usually through a combination of our efforts and maybe luck, I mean, not ours, but, you know, (laughs) like governments and medical professionals, like we're able to like, contain it and mm. put out the fire you know luckily and that doesn't always that's not always it always ha- has not always happened and is not always going to happen with every pandemic but it uh, i feel like it does there are a lot of stories like that where um and especially with the first time something appears mm-hmm. it doesn't always take over the whole world so so it comes a little out of the science but it's also comes from my own desire to to want to keep a focus on the character like on the these people and these characters right and i i i think i like that kind of keyhole perspective because it helps um make sure that yeah that i'm able to keep a focus on the kind of small moments of ordinary i mean their lives are not ordinary people living through this moment um and i feel like if i let it if it spread through the whole world there's just so much else i'd have to deal with that it starts to be hard to justify this close um perspective on just Mm. these
2: sort of five to seven people right Mm -hmm. there's something i mean both of your (laughs) books there's something really wonderful about massive things whether it's a pandemic or the craziest end of the world that i think i've ever read Mm -hmm. but that that it you're watching a couple of people and ordinary people living through yeah just the most horribly imagined thing
0: yeah there was um so yeah the last your last book is um the days what if days didn't stop getting longer and and this one's like what if you don't stop sleeping um, i was just curious if you have other like what if scenarios that you're playing out right now <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um i mean the, those kinds of what ifs are all are really always what kind of drives my fiction like mm-hmm. when I come up with ideas so uh, so i guess i'm dipping
0: into your future. yeah but it's not like i have a <laughs> maybe deep... some that didn't pan out <laughs>
1: yes i think um there's lots that i just think of yeah, that I think of all the time that then turn out to, I don't, they don't really have it, there's not enough there to, or I can't figure out how to write them. Um, so, yeah, once I started to try to write something where people were living underground, mm-hmm. but I was so interested in, I was really interested in them being, having like, being trapped in this small space and they couldn't get out and they couldn't see the world. And I was interested in that. But then I started to be like, I actually don't want to write 200, pa-. like there was like not <laughs> enough to, to work with, like, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't, there could never be like someone comes by from outside. Or, <laughs> right like, yeah. So there was, it was like too claustrophobic for me as a writer. So mm. That was one, but that was like a, what if that then it, it didn't. I just, I just never really went very far with that one. <laughs> and that's also not, I'm not the first, clearly other people have figured out a similar premise <laughs> to write <laughs> stories like that, but. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a different sort of claustrophobia in the book that you brought um, in in uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's Never Let Me Go, um, which is the book that you brought to us today, um, where these kids are sort of—it's a campus novel, but they feel pretty stuck on mm-hmm. this campus. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious why you brought this book. Like, what? How is this in conversation with your work? Do you think?
1: Um, I mean, I, I just never let me go is one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I do. I'm interested in how he um, uses this big science like this big sci-fi premise in a way Mm -hmm. um to actually tell a story about just like a small story of human experience Mm -hmm. uh, but small and devastating Mm -hmm. you know there's just something so the restraint is actually makes it all the more heartbreaking because of the situation that these uh people are facing like how limited their lives are and um
0: we should say that there's a bit of a twist. And if you're super spoiler averse, like you probably don't want to listen to this conversation of the book because it's really hard to talk about this book without talking about the main premise, right? Which is clones. Yeah, it's clones. <laughs> it's cloning. Um, And this is... Um, <laughs> but like
2: nefarious cloning. It's not the sort of like the more, not, I don't want to say it. cloning is always, uh, feels a little nefarious, mm-hmm. but it's like
0: organ harvesting cloning, basically. So these... um these kids that you're following and you're following one, you're following Kathy mm-hmm. um, and, and her school days. Um, but you realize that some it's, it's so, it's so secretly about clones. Like it's so like very lightly sci-fi. It's like the least sci-fi book um, on the spectrum. Like if there's one where it's just always a bunch of robots fighting yeah. <laughs> and then another where like it's, I don't know, this is very much on the other spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really much more of a campus novel, which is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. And um, I mean, I love the idea that of the coming of age and like of loss of innocence, it's like my loss of innocence is that I'm a clone (laughs) Um, and and not like I have to turn into an adult. And (laughs) yes,
1: right. And also in a way it's that they're never going to get to turn into adults. I mean, they're young adults at the end, but like, instead of realizing like I'm going to have to grow up, it's like, I'm
2: actually never going to get to grow up. Mm -hmm. That's the, yeah. It's a weird inversion of that fear that hits everybody. And and like, I don't, I, when I was reading it, I was like, how, (coughs) how would I respond in this? Like, how would I feel if I was faced with that in this way where it, it,
0: everybody's just kind of like this is what happens to you yeah i mean like you basically in this world you turn 18 and they basically say like all right like do you want to die or do you want to help people die
1: (laughs) (laughs) and even if you do help people you're still gonna (laughs) yeah you're still gonna yeah you'll (laughs) die later (laughs) um yeah but he does it all with such i like i said before restraint i just Mm. somehow it's so it's so i think part of what's so devastating about it's like everything is so normalized like the Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just the way that he writes it so understatedly and in this ordinary way. And even her voice is so ordinary Mm -hmm.
0: that it kind of lulls you in. It's so so conversational. It's very much like, it's very much like someone's telling you a story and they're also not quite sure that the, of the order that they want to tell everything, especially at the beginning. Yeah. She's like really sifting through memories. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's this central friendship, um between her and this other character, Ruth, um, that uh, feels like a Lori Moore friendship. Like it felt like um, uh-huh. who will run the frog yes. hospital yeah, to me I or like Julie that. Bunton, mm-hmm. you know like Marlena sort of like I just felt like there was this that uh, this like female friendship at the center of this where they're sort of um one upping each other for this one boy, uh-huh. the uh Tommy. Uh-huh.
2: I think that actually knowing the twist going in, this is one of the rare occasions that knowing the twist going into reading the book helps yeah yeah there's something about being able to see all of these interactions and know like oh oh this is like yeah the thing in that weird way that like our parents all tell us when we're kids and like our hearts get broken or something when we're teenagers they're like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. that's what i'm i'm like oof. (laughs) i don't think it matters (laughs) well yeah
1: but in another way maybe it matters more for them because this is their whole life like for us it's like you know that thing that happened to you when you're 14 it's like you have your whole life to live Mm -hmm. like that turns out to be nothing (laughs) but this is like this is their whole life almost right
0: um it's also like it's also interesting that it's not the future Um, yeah it's like it's a it seems like it's maybe the nineties uh-huh. or like, you know, uh, like
1: it's more like a par- sort of like it's a, a parallel thing. Like history, we, if we yeah. had
0: gone further down the cloning, like thing right away, um, rather than like trying to put a computer smaller in our pockets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um,
2: lots of cassette tapes. Yeah. Maybe think of high fidelity for some reason.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I love something that I love on every, um, about every campus novel and it shows up here in a really beautiful way is like the weird ecosystem that's around, like the exchanges. Uh Mm -hmm. So there's this art component to their education and they make these artistic things and then go around with money given to them by the school (laughs) to buy these things from each other. And it's all been appraised and given like a a monetary value by the guardians of this school, which I can totally see this like weird system, like, like popping up and it being like an incredibly important part of your life that you look back on as an adult and like what the hell was that like, yeah that was yeah. really weird uh-huh. yeah you know it's it's the equivalent of like doing like weird things for your teacher to get like like classroom bucks yes so yeah, you can yeah. buy yeah. things from the uh-huh. her small space maker of candy uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um I, uh, and then you know he made it sinister the questions of like of how we treat
2: those who are other to us Mm -hmm. and and it's one of those things that I think you can read the book without thinking about that but it's one of those things where in 2019 it's impossible to not read a book and find some way to map what's going on in America onto what you're reading and and I found myself thinking about like yeah these moments where like the creation of art is meant to try to show the rest of the world that like look these these kids have the same humanity that you do and the fact that it just like there's no everybody's like well yeah but we all get to live longer so Mm -hmm. yeah we don't care Uh and i that i found that's the thing that has has stayed with me the longest
0: Mm. after reading Mm -hmm. the book interesting yeah like it's always about class ultimately Mm -hmm. like that's really what there's there's a little bit of but it really comes in at the very end there's sort of um uh, it's kind of like the conversations at the end of a Harry Potter novel when like Dumbledore explains everything that went on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like um that there's like a scene like that in this as well. Um right. and it's so satisfying because you've been following the sort of teenage melodrama of what's been going on and knowing that there's this explanation further down the road, but like really like you're wrought through the other the other part of it and like the plot makes you I don't know, it's so perfectly welded together. <laughs> I, I was I was completely blown away by this book. It's one of these things that's been on my list forever. Mm-hmm. Oh kind okay. of that- um and finally reading it was just like, oh right, this is why everybody loves this. It's yeah. like an incredible novel.
1: Yeah. You know, one more thing about it that I think is I mean, maybe this is like sort of a like writer's comment, but I, I always am struck by there's like this interesting um yeah, like submersion of ego in the writing style mm-hmm. where he's so committed to making her seem like an ordinary person that, he, that like in the opening page there's multiple like cliches in mm-hmm. it, but they're, they're, con- they're like the kinds of things that an ordinary real person would say, like, like complete waste of space, I think is one of them. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she says, like, I know some cares who are a complete, wa- complete waste of space or something like that type of talk. And I feel like usually in writing you wouldn't, you would want to avoid those things, but they just feel so, uh, make her seem convincing. It's, it's like he has committed to yeah the realism of this character over like pyrotechnics of language. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. even though I like, I also love pyrotechnics of language. I feel like it's so interesting to watch a writer do that, where instead, he's just completely like submerging himself into her voice. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's one of these books that is a, definitely a sci-fi premise, but it's sneakily about like a million other things. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's how I felt. The only other issue i I read is *The Berry Giant*. Oh, mm. I haven't read that one yet. And I I love that book, and it's this, it's it's a fantasy novel in like post Arthurian England, uh-huh. but it is n- by no means is it a fantasy. Like in the same way he submerges himself, and there are no there are dragons and giants, but there are no pyrotechnics around it, and uh-huh. it just feels you're like yeah these are these are people who could exist now. Two thousand years later, uh-huh.
0: it's amazing. Uh-huh. It's he a- deserved
2: that Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah, <it> turns out, <laughs>
1: remains of the day is also really. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I have to. What's yeah. that one about? It's about um. It's uh. It's it, there, it, the narration has something in common. It's like a first per- with Never Let Me Go. First person narrator who's um, an English butler, <laughs> and he's very very restrained and stoic. Um, and committed, sort of maybe overly, I mean, definitely overly committed to his job. And he's just sort of talking about, yeah, it's just him telling the story of his life as a butler. Mm. Uh, but it just becomes like extremely tragic in a kind of similarly like stoic way. Mm. Like this restrained stoic way where you realize he's like never gonna be happy. <laughs> 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 um, but it's it's really beautiful.
0: <laughs> um, shall we do some recommendations? Yeah, I mean, I run recommend that book if you haven't jumped on it yet like it's time now
2: <laughs> it is it really is one of those books where i'm like oh man i really i should have read this a long time ago it came out 14 years ago wow crazy. 2005
1: you know i actually read it um i did i read it i mean a little late too i i, I read it I, I saw a preview for the movie mm-hmm. and the movie the pr- movie preview was so moving that i was like I think I have, to, I have to go see that movie. <laughs> and I told my friend, I was like, I know I, I should read the book first, but like that just movie looks so great and just so sad. And anyway, especially from the preview. And my friend was like, you cannot, like in this case, you cannot go see that movie before you read the book. The book is amazing. Mm. So I read it and then actually then I've never seen the movie. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and a, that was like, you that's know,
2: a good friend know. though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. Have you seen the movie?
2: I have not. I haven't seen it either. It's, mm-hmm. it's, Apparently currently all missed it. James McAvoy. Is it James McAvoy?
0: I thought it was Andrew Garfield. I can't remember. Oh, it
2: might be Andrew Garfield. Yeah,
0: Yeah, let's talk about books we recommend. You start. Me? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to recommend two books um first of all un- um it's uh it was a favorite of last year and i can see why uh severance by ling ma mm-hmm. um it was and like i always think like that's the last po- post-apocalyptic novel i'll ever read <laughs> and then like another one comes along it's like okay <laughs> i forgot about that last thing i said <laughs> um and this one is uh is a good one it's sort of zombie sort of disease outbreak um mm-hmm. but and uh I don't know. There's all sorts of things that I like. They end up they all end up in a mall which and like choose a store to live in. Oh. <laughs> Great details, fantastic um New York details because she stays in New York as long as she possibly can. Oh, cool. Um as as other people leave and it's just it's awesome. Um Yeah, so I can see why everyone loved it and why everyone who thinks that they're done with post-apocalyptic fiction, they're not actually. There's another really good one. Um <laughs> And then Open Me by Lisa Locascio. Um, That was a Grove Atlantic title that came out last year. And oh man, I was completely taken by surprise by this book. Um, I really loved The Idiot by um, Elif Uh Baduman. Like it was such a great novel. Um, We had her on the show to talk about it. It was so good. And this novel is really reminded me of that, but like, the idiot if it had like a lot of sex scenes. So <laughs> if that in, if that description like intrigues you, uh, and also like there's sort of like a crazy like emotional abuse undercurrent to this that is like really like uncomfortable feeling and scary and taut and really well done. And yeah, I highly recommend checking out both of those. Severance and Open Me, Pink and Purple. Cool. <laughs> cool looking books. Karen? Yeah, do you wanna go?
1: um. Sure, uh, I will recommend um, the Oxford Very Short Introduction series. Oh, cool! Do you guys, you guys yeah. read any of those? There's like h- literally hundreds of them, and they're all really short. Um, and I read a bunch of them for um, as research for the dreamer. So I read like um, sleep, dream, like short introduction to sleep, short introduction to dreams, um, madness, pandemics, Freud. Carl Jung, um, anyway, and, the, you know, there's so many more, like, to psychology and love and, you know, African politics, just like every, anything you can imagine <laughs> they have. Cool. A, um, yeah, and they're really, they're great.
2: <laughs> they're nice. G- it's great design, too. Yes,
1: that's part of it. It's very appealing in yeah. your hand, yeah. Cool. Um, simple, and and and, I, and very serious, like, they're very... Very handy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you feel scholarly, <laughs> by your yeah. Head. But they're so short. You yeah. feel
1: you are that they, they're a nice combination mm-hmm. of really serious but really brief. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: Drew, I will recommend a book and a podcast. Okay. Um, the book is is a one that I did not get to in 2018, but got rave reviews and. I just picked it up and absolutely loved it. Um, Milkman by Anna Burns that won the Booker Prize this Mm -hmm. year. It's stream of consciousness is one of those things. Similarly to you with post-apocalyptic novels where you're like another one. Are you really going to be able to. (laughs) And this it does it in a way that I found so compelling. And it wasn't it wasn't the stream of consciousness like the James Joyce broken up lines where you sort of get lost in your own thoughts while you're reading the voice was still so compelling and sure there were in jammed sentences and she'd jump off on tangents, but it's, um, and this 18 year old girl, young woman in Belfast in like the, it, in the teeth of the troubles basically. Um, and a a dissident decides basically that like, I want you, you're going to be my mistress Mm. and she wants nothing to do with it. And she's sort of an outcast from the community and it's, it is the best understanding I've ever gotten of what it was like to live in Ireland during the Troubles. Um, and it's I, I took a week and a half to read it, which is a long time for me to read a book. And I loved every minute of it. Mm. It was just, it was so great. Um, the other thing, a podcast, brand new podcast, my old boss and dear friend Jeremy McCarter uh, moved to Chicago and started a... Call it a theater company, at least at first, called the Make Believe Association. And what they've ended up doing is recording new plays as radio dramas. Mm. Uh, And the podcast is called, I think it's just called Make Believe. Um, the The first play came out this month in January. And there are a couple of interviews sort of setting up the premise and explaining, like, why are we doing this thing and why are we doing it in this way? But this first season is taking fables, asking playwrights or writers to adapt a fable into a radio drama. Cool. cool. A really great stuff.
0: That's neat. That sounds great. Wow. That sounds very good.
2: It's a good way to start the new year.
0: Yeah. You know another w- good way to start the new year? Um, Patreon? No. Oh. Well, that's one. The I always
2: try to guess what you're going to start with.
0: No, I'm always, I always... I'm going to say the first thing that you can do is review us. You could be our first review of the new year oh. um, because we haven't had any reviews on iTunes in a while and they like fresh ones help a lot. So um, go write a review and give us five stars. It very much helps us out. Um, you're right though. We, you can also go to our Patreon. It's another way to be helpful. Patreon.com slash SMDB. Um, you can get ad free episodes of the show. You can, if you get a certain level, we'll send you things in the mail. It's a lot of fun. Uh huh. You can tweet at us. You can email us. Mm-hmm. It's all so many damn books at whatever the things are. And then you can also, and you absolutely should, go buy Karen Thompson Walker's new novel, *The Dreamers*, because it's awesome. And you will be s- able to sleep too. Yeah, you will.
2: We did. We did not set that up earlier. You will have no problem
0: sleeping. Yeah. When you finish the book. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for you.
1: having me, and thanks for the cocktail.
0: Oh, anytime. <laughs>